Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and today we're going to be talking about nutrition during pregnancy. If you're pregnant, you're probably very familiar with all the things you should avoid eating. But can the things you do eat help lower your risks of prematurity, preeclampsia, gestational diabetes, and other complications? To learn more, I'll be talking with Amy V. Haas. Stay tuned. This episode of Birthful is brought to you by the first eight days of being a mom, a day-by-day manual on taking care of the new mom as well as her newborn. Get a 10% discount by going to thefirst8days.com slash birthful. That's with the number eight, thefirst8days.com slash birthful. The Birthful Podcast, talking to maternity pros to inform your intuition. Hello, mamas and mamas-to-be. Today, we're going to be talking about pregnancy and nutrition with the ever-lovely Amy V. Haas. And Amy has been a childbirth educator, writer, consultant, and lecturer in the field of pregnancy and birth for the last 19 years. On nutrition during pregnancy, she studied with and assisted Dr. Tom Brewer, the developer, developer of the Brewer Pregnancy Diet, and she continues his work through pregnancy nutrition counseling. She often writes on the topic for Midwifery Today. Amy is also the education chair for Rochester Area Birth Network and owner of Healthy Birth of Rochester, and she's the mom to two wonderful children, uh, two wonderful young men, I should say. Um, Amy, glad to have you here. Thank you, Adriana. It's an honor to be here. uh, Your sons, they're uh, they're off in college now, right? Uh, Well, one is still in college. The other is an adult working out in the world. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. We've known each other for a long time. Yes. (laughs) That's fantastic. So thank you so much for being on the program. It's really nice to have you here. Um, I was reading through some of the material that you sent me, and I came across your motto for childbirth education classes, which is healthy babies, healthy moms, and a positive birth experience. Let's get right into it. And how can eating well during pregnancy get women closer to that goal, to that motto? Well, specifically, a a healthy pregnancy diet helps a woman to stay healthy and low risk. So it keeps her or helps her to stay away from that high risk category by preventing certain pregnancy problems, uh, including preeclampsia, premature labor, premature rupture of membranes, infection, et cetera. So it, it helps. It's the one thing I think that is really in a woman's control and doesn't require any uh, medical intervention per se. And when a woman has control of her life and her body, she has more confidence and she feels that she can take that control and apply it to the birth of her child. So when we talk about nutrition, we are talking about specifically how what we eat affects the functioning of our bodies and the progress of the pregnancy, but we're also talking about women taking control of their bodies as well. Mm-hmm. And those are not, you know, little things, what you mentioned of how eating well can can really get you out of a high-risk category and keep you in a zone where you do have a better birth and avoid preeclampsia and avoid prematurity. I mean, those are 
you know, it's like, just take care of yourself, eat properly, something that, as you say, is completely in your control, but the effects of, or, of what you're doing are huge. Yes, absolutely. So how, how does what you eat prevent these things? Well, specifically when Dr. Brewer was doing this research, he found that when he analyzed a particular population's eating habits, um, he saw specific health problems. For instance, preeclampsia was an area where he kind of centered his interest. And by doing a lot of research as far back as the ancient Greeks, he decided since he had nothing else at his disposal that he would utilize some common sense and he would do what is called an interrupted timeline study. By changing one element in the woman's world um, that was under their control and having them eat well. And he found that when he looked at what these women in this particular low uh, income population were eating, he found they were particularly deficit in protein. And when he changed their diet and basically fed them and make sure they, they were getting what they needed, a higher protein, more varied diet, essentially a whole food diet, he saw a, an eradication of preeclampsia in that particular population and a reduction of prematurity down to as low as 2%. And if you know anything about what the prematurity rate is in the United States right now, it's hovering around 13%. That's pretty amazing. Um, and it is, again, a simple thing to do. However, he always stressed that it's not just protein. You have to analyze each population or each individual woman specifically as to what her diet looks like. So when I'm working with a woman, I ask them to fill out uh, a nutrition sheet, and then we look at what they're eating and try to balance it out. For some women, this means that they're getting plenty of protein, but they may not be getting green leafy veggies or enough complex carbohydrates and B vitamins. So um, each individual woman has to be analyzed on an individual basis for that reason. And it makes sense to get her to a balanced state where she's getting yeah. all the nutrients that she needs yes. for, you know, sustaining life and, and having a good pregnancy. Um, and since you mentioned Dr. Brewer, I want to now I know that the Brewer diet sometimes can be very controversial. And it, I think the underlying things behind the diet are really, you know, it's solid, great nutrition. So why don't we clear the air and and address that a little bit? Um, because I think what the at the point is at the end of the day is really good nutrition. Right, right. And you know, it's funny because people criticize him because he did an interrupted timeline study, but you can't do a clinically controlled trial with pregnant women because it would be unethical and contraproductive uh, because you'd have to have a control group of women that you starve. So in these cases, you take your control group as the previous uh, manner in which they were eating, and you, in an interrupted timeline study, you change that, that one element. So it's funny, the second um, paper that I published with Midwifery Today 
was on preventing problems during pregnancy using nutrition. Mm -hmm. But the original title was It's Not Just Protein, which is what Dr. Brewer used to call me up screaming into the phone. Um, so people misunderstand the idea that, oh, this is a high protein diet. Well, it's a higher protein diet. But again, we need to look at what else women are eating. It's not just protein. So we talk about eating a whole food diet that encompasses all food groups with a minimum of 75 grams of protein a day. And that can be as simple as three meals a day and two snacks. Each meal should contain a protein source, a vegetable or fruit, a complex carbohydrate, and then to make it easy, a glass of milk or fortified soy milk, almond milk, or oat milk. Snacks can combine nuts, cheese, eggs, peanut butter, hummus, and a fruit or vegetable. Water to thirst, salt to taste. And remember, a serving is the size of your fist. Um, but don't forget the green leafies and remember quality versus quantity as well. So, uh, you know, using this kind of a guideline, you can see it is really more like just a really good, well-balanced, omnivorous diet. Yeah. And if, you know, I find that if you're focused, if you're just mindful of what you're putting in your mouth, yeah. then you'll pay more attention about eating that that rainbow, eating that variety, right. making things, you know, more whole foods because, and and even further, if you're planning about it, be mindful, then you'll shop differently at the store. And yeah. then what's available to you in your fridge, you know, instead of grabbing that donut or the muffin, mm -hmm. you might grab a healthier Greek unsweetened yogurt. Or <laughs> Absolutely. What you buy is what you'll eat. And so I'll tell students very often to go out and buy one new healthy food a week to try. Um, I, I tell them the easiest way to do this is to be omnivorous, meaning eat everything from all different food groups in moderate amounts. But we get a lot of women who can't eat a particular food group or for other reasons choose not to. And that's okay, but they will have to do a lot of work to find out what they need to eat to replace those nutrients that they would have been receiving from a whole omnivorous diet. So they will need to do research on that. Like, for example, if you're a vegetarian, you're really, or a vegan, you really have to pay attention to your B, vitamin yeah. B uh, intake. Yeah. You, as a matter of fact, specifically vegetarians would need to supplement with vitamin B12. Check with your care provider as to how much that would be and, you know, which sources, et cetera. But that B12 is not found in the plant world. So that's why it, it is easier if you eat an omnivorous diet. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but not impossible. No, not impossible at all. Dr. Brewer had uh, a couple of chapters specifically in his book, uh, The Brewer Pregnancy Diet um, and Hotline, specifically on vegetarian and vegan diets, just as an example. And he talked specifically about, you know, okay, if you don't drink milk, here's what you're going to need to eat to replace those nutrients if you don't eat eggs, if, et cetera. Um, and I think people, if if you're, you're doing it for a uh, very strong reasons, that's fine. They're going to do that. But most people are cutting things out because they believe it's healthier and it can be, but 
they really have to make sure that they're not just eliminating foods and that they're replacing the nutrients as well. And that takes a lot of work. Yeah, it does. But I think, again, if you plan and you're, because if, so say you're vegetarian or you're vegan, it's something that not just during pregnancy you're paying attention to. Right. But it's something that's already kind of part of your habits in your life. Right. Um, so it's easier maybe even to be, because you're already mindful of what you're eating, to continue that during pregnancy. I, I would hope, but in my experience, all too often I find people are eliminating and they're not replacing. And I've seen people believe that, okay, you know, as long as I just don't eat any meat, for instance, then I'm healthier, but then their choices are not necessarily as mindful as they should be. So we do have to really take a look. And the nice part is these days, you can look at the package of food, or you can look up online exactly what nutrients are in each thing you're eating. Um, I have books available to my students, but the internet is certainly, you know, one of our best resources in that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's a great point that if you take something out, definitely pay attention to what you're substituting it with. Mm -hmm. um, I have, I'm going to throw my husband over, under the bus because <laughs> not anymore, but up to many, up to recently. Um, he's, we're, we're vegetarian, he's vegan. And, uh, but he, his go-to protein would be more, of a process, so the fake meats and the fake delis mm -hmm. and the fake, mm -hmm. and that is not necessarily good nutrition. Right. Um, even though it did have the protein, it had also a lot of other things that weren't necessarily right. good for for anybody's body. So right. they're it, not a whole food. They're not a whole food. Right. Now we're doing a lot more legumes, mm -hmm. um, which is great. It's delicious. I love them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me too. I eat. Every, I'm totally omnivorous. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's hard, and that's that's one of the problems with a lot of these diets, uh, especially the more popular ones, is they rely a lot on processed foods, which don't necessarily have the nutrition that you need. I mean, there are exceptions to the rule, of course. But uh, variety is really a key. So, for instance, someone is vegetarian or vegan, we don't really want to see them relying just on uh, soy products, um, which are a processed food. Um, fermented soy is very good for us, but and and moderation tofu as well. But um, you know, definitely, we shouldn't be relying on that strictly for our our proteins if we're vegetarian. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Not, and, and on any one food group, basically. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So talk to me a little bit about, um, we talked about premature labor and we haven't gotten into other uh, high risk situations that might come up. Can you talk to me about gestational diabetes? Sure. And nutrition? Um, yeah. You know, it's interesting because I had personal experience with this. So I became much more interested myself in the way in which our diet can affect um, our ability to process glucose. And gestational diabetes isn't necessarily diabetes. It is more commonly 
um, glucose intolerance. Every woman has a, an area of weakness in their body. Every human does. So for some, it's blood pressure. For others, it's blood sugar, just as an example. So our ability to process those things depends on our, our health as a whole, but also what we eat. If we're eating a whole food, higher protein, well-balanced diet, then we're better able to deal with fluctuations of glucose in our system. But most women don't have a concept of how to balance out her diet that way. Now, I became interested because I was uh, diagnosed as gestationally diabetic in my first pregnancy. And believe me, I ate a really lousy diet the first time around. The second time around, I followed the Brewer diet, and I talked to Dr. Brewer about this, and I said I would really like to prevent being diagnosed as gestationally diabetic a second time. And he said, just follow the diet and have yourself tested, and you may prove them wrong. And that's exactly what I did. I had a great midwife. I volunteered to be tested, but I didn't bother with the one hour. I went straight for the three or the six hour. And um, at, I'm going to interrupt you briefly to yeah. explain those, the one oh, hour and three yeah. hours. Would you like me to do that? <laughs> <laughs> just briefly, <laughs> not not into detail of all you drink, but it's just, so when you're tested for gestational diabetes, you first do a one hour test, a shorter right. test, which is more of a, a it doesn't uh, diagnose, it just indicates. It just indicates whether or not your body deals well with large amounts of sugar, which we know we shouldn't be eating anyway. Mm -hmm. So when we see a woman who's healthy to begin with and who's been on this high food, higher protein diet, um, the, the longer testing that shows a more stable blood sugar level um, is going to be more evident. If you're not seeing it, then that can be an indication that a woman is truly diabetic. But the majority of women are glucose intolerant, not diabetic. And what the tests do indicate to us, especially the one hour, is that a woman may be at risk for type 2 diabetes later in life. So we know that they have to really watch their diet, not only now during pregnancy, but also after they have their baby by eating a healthy whole food diet, which is not a bad idea anyway. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so it's important that we look at women not just by a one-hour glucose tolerance test, but also are they spilling sugar in their urine? That can be a sign of a, of a problem. It could be a sign that they just are eating poorly or um, that they are um, truly in crisis. And so more and more detailed investigation needs to be conducted in those cases. Um, I've had women who chose not to be tested and chose, you know, students of mine, chose instead to monitor their blood sugar levels. So they went out and they got the little kits and they would check their, their blood um, fasting and after each meal, et cetera, for a week straight while on the brewer diet. And the interesting thing was we saw really nice, stable blood sugars. Um, which tell us if women eat this way, that they're at less risk. And we know that diet is the first um, front, forefront in combating this problem. Here's the interesting thing about the latest research. They broadened the spectrum of who they're testing and how they're testing these days because they found 
that they could quote unquote diagnose more women. So then they would diagnose them as being gestationally diabetic and then they could counsel them on nutrition. <laughs> and my question was, well, Horse instead of spending cart? all this money and labeling all these women high risk, because it can affect how your birth goes after that, whether you're truly um, have a problem or not, it's a perceived element. Um, why not just start with the nutritional counseling? If that's where you're going to end up anyway, and right. all women exactly. can benefit from better nutrition regardless of right. what their sugar levels are doing. So monitoring is not a bad idea, but on the other hand, this broad spectrum one-hour test is not as accurate as people think it is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what if a mom is diagnosed with gestational diabetes? Um will so I so I find that if my mom is 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 diagnosed with gestational diabetes sometimes they the, their diet it becomes limited yes. as something to try to prevent problems I I agree and that can be kind of scary because I've actually seen the standard diabetic diet send people into premature labor because it's not adequate which is why Dr. Brewer recommended the whole food, higher protein diet. The thing here is, for instance, everybody seems to be obsessed with carbs, low carb, low carb, you know, that's the way you're going to go. But the type of carbohydrate is incredibly important. You need to get complex carbohydrates, whole grains, and at least a third of a pregnant woman's protein source should be coming from complex carbohydrates to ensure that they're not burning extra protein for energy, that they have enough carbohydrates for energy. And we know that women tend to lose weight on these diets, but it doesn't mean they're necessarily getting all of the nutrients that they need. Um, so it's important that you check the type of carbohydrate and the portion. Um, look for carbohydrates that are high in fiber, low in sugar, for instance. So that's, that's what a complex carbohydrate would be. Um, and it's, it's great if you're omnivorous, but it's harder for people who are eating, for instance, a, a, um, a gluten-free diet where a lot of the carbohydrates they get tend to be simple carbohydrates. I've actually seen people drive themselves into a diabetic state on a gluten-free diet because they were eating all these super processed, simple carbohydrate, gluten-free things thinking they were healthier and, and they weren't. So again, that's an element. It takes a lot more work on the part of the woman to maintain and obtain what they need. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And while you were talking about that, I was thinking about the paleo diet, mm -hmm. um, yeah, because that tends to be a, a, a something that can happen. It's popular, yeah. Um, <laughs> in fact, my latest my latest article for Midwifery Today in issue one eleven uh, is is on popular diets in pregnancy. And, you know, as adults, we can do whatever we like with our diet, but when we're pregnant, we really have to ensure we're getting all of the nutrients we need to support a healthy pregnancy, as well as our own bodies. 
So if your diet has eliminated a particular food group, once again, you're going to have to work very hard to replace those nutrients, and most people don't want to put in that much work. Now, it's funny, you mentioned the paleo diet, because I had a student ask me about it once, and my comment to her was, well, first, notice the development in society and culture after humans became farming, <laughs> uh, and rather than just hunter-gatherer. And, um, you know, the development in health and the length of life. Um, in a paleo diet, a woman would not be getting all of the elements that she needs. Uh, it, you can exist on that diet, but it's not one that's going to sustain a pregnancy as well as it, it should. Um, it's really hard to get, for instance, the amount of calcium that you need in a paleo diet, you know, with a paleo diet, um, just as an example, because I know that they eschew uh, da uh, dairy particularly. Um, so you would be getting plenty of protein, but you wouldn't be getting other elements that you might be missing. So that's something to keep in mind, you know, as, as you move on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and it goes back to making sure you have that variety and making sure yep. you're getting all yep. your um, all the things that you need, such as, you know, you, because I, women tend to hear a lot about getting their folic acid, um, yep. their prenatal vitamin, their yeah. calcium, their vitamin D, their iron. Um, but there's a lot more to it than just those mm -hmm. things. Yes, there is. And taking a, a prenatal supplement helps, but it's not magic. And that's the point. We all always want a magic pill that's going to do this for us. But, you know, going back to I, what I would call a, a farm diet, something that gives you a great variety of foods, um, the exception would be that uh, I would hope that you would make more of an effort to get the vegetables and fruits that you really do need <laughs> that wouldn't be available in season. So we do probably when we're pregnant, we, we need to eat out of season vegetables and fruits. Sorry. <laughs> because it is hard to get everything you need these days. And I would also recommend that women eat organic if they can. Do your best. It can be as simple as a glass of milk, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich on whole wheat and an apple. <laughs> it doesn't have to be fancy. Mm -hmm. Just in, in, in talking to what the organic part of it, you know, try to make sure that your milk is organic and or, right. or that it's soy or flax non-GMO. I would totally agree with that. And, you know, again, local is great. Farm raised is absolutely great. If you can get stuff at your farmer's market, um, you know, definitely I would choose that as well. With fish, go for wild caught or organic farm raised. Um, yeah, fish be, is tough because it's yeah. so delicious. It has so much good nutrients for you, but there's a lot of toxins. Yes, there are. But if you look on the FDA website, they have a page particularly devoted to which fishes are okay and safe to eat. And so they're basically, the if you check that, and then they're saying two portions of fish a week are recommended. Um, but women in this region, the Great Lakes region, should not be eating fish from the Great Lakes or the local streams, sadly, because of the uh, heavy metals and pollution, um, they, they restrict people from who, who are um, 
pregnant, of childbearing age, children and the elderly should not be eating any of these fish. And it doesn't leave too many people out. <laughs> I'd rather err in the side of caution and not have right. it, yeah. <laughs> frankly. <laughs> um, and we're in the Rochester area. That's what I, Amy was mentioning. Yeah. The Great Lakes area. Uh Along with the recommendation that you that that you gave, we also have in my I have my phone. I have an app from it's called Seafood Watch, mm-hmm. um, and that one also tells you specific of the fish that you should eat, and not only what types of fish, but how they were caught and where they were caught. Yes, yes. Are they sustainable uh, or are they being overfished? And that's that's an important factor as well, because every time we interrupt the balance of our uh, resources, in this case, the ocean, you know, you, you start throwing everything off and you get overpopulization of other fish and uh, it's just not a good thing. <laughs> We're not going to go down that road. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be here for hours. <laughs> yes, we would. <laughs> so tell me briefly, I, there was one more, we're almost out of time, but I wanted to bring in another component, which is, okay, this great nutrition is so fabulous for the mom, can prevent um, high-risk things like preeclampsia and gestational diabetes and premature mm-hmm. prematurity. What about... Is there any research or anything specific on the babies that they are getting because they're getting better building blocks, they have better health? Or is that just me speculating? Yes, actually, there is. And I don't have it in front of me, but let me see if I can open this up. (laughs) There is some more recent research, and there is a particular group of researchers who are doing this type of stuff. Um, and they're they're looking at health later in life, um, and they're looking at the overall health of the children, and they're seeing less, um, for instance, less multiple sclerosis in uh, children whose mothers drank milk. Instru- inst- uh, interestingly enough, hmm. um, they're seeing less asthma um, with people who include foods that are more probiotic in nature, uh, less allergies when you start including um, enough digestive enzymes and probiotics. Um, They're just seeing that the health of the mother is absolutely affecting outcome, um, as well as any number of other things, uh, general health of of the child later in life. And I'm sorry, I don't have the data right in front of me. (laughs) You know what we'll do? Send me that information and I'll add a a link um, on the show notes on the website so that people can get to it if, you know, if they want more information. Right. Yeah. No, that's that's an area that I've been studying more recently and there is research on it. So let me gather that together and I'll get you that for that uh, attachment. Fantastic. And Amy, if the if our mamas out there want to get in touch with you or want more information, how can they do that? Well, probably the easiest way is email or, or, or Facebook. I have a Facebook page, and you can put up the uh, the email for uh, Rochester Area Birth Network, which is uh, ahaz at rabn.org. Um, and also the Facebook page. We have both a Rochester Area Birth Network Facebook page, and we have a Healthy Birth of Rochester 
Facebook page, and you can put those links on your website as well if you'd like. And Amy's really good at replying to things posted there, so even better, post your questions so that other moms can get the benefit of her answers as well. Sure, I'm happy to. That's that's my job. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we thank you for it, and I thank you so much for being here today. This was fun. You're welcome. It was my honor. Thank you for having me. Talk to you soon. You too. Bye-bye. Mamas, I love to hear from you. So share with me your thoughts, or if there's a certain topic you'd like to know more about, tell me. Stay in touch by following Birthful on Facebook or Twitter. Even better, become a part of the Birthful community by subscribing at birthful.com. You'll get access to bonus episodes and other exclusive goodies. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me next week when I'll be talking to another wonderful birth pro to help inform your intuition here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you.